This week's podcast brought to you by Two Don't Lists. So I'm driving our eldest daughter to school the other morning, seven o'clock in the morning. There's no conversation as there isn't on any given day. And about 10 minutes of the drive, she, we're listening to the radio and she just says, out of the blue, she says, Dad, I think if Freddie Mercury were alive today and he was like 30, but still a rock star, I just feel like he'd have Invisalign or something. Saying says no pain, no gain, and we found that to be fact. The road might twist and turn a bit, but we all arrive intact. Mr. Mom and Mrs. Dad having each other's back. Day by day, just to keep it sane. Who's the ball and who's the chain? It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane. Well, it's the most wonderful time of the year, sort of, for people who like uh, college basketball. Brackets announced. uh, Men's brackets came out on Monday night. Ours came out, or no, men's brackets came out Sunday night. Ours came out Monday night slash Monday afternoon. In drips and drabs. In drips and drabs. But but both of the brackets are out now. And uh, our wonderful producer, Denny, with one N, has um, started a tournament bracket challenge. A ball and chain tournament bracket challenge. As uh, hosted by uh, the ESPN website. But anyway, I will send out a link via our Twitter handle, which is at ball and chain pod for anyone who wants to join the ball and chain bracket challenge. I just now filled out the uh, the women's ba- bracket. I'm going to let you fill out the men's bracket later and um, and we'll see how we do. And for people who are binge listening to this, Three months from now, right. <laughs> we got it right. You you would have got you would get it right, but you won't be able to enter. Right? Yeah, exactly true. So yeah, it was it was a bit of an interesting day for me yesterday in Bristol because we had a meeting in the early afternoon and uh, we were going through the brackets and and of course the NCAA sends ESPN the brackets early so that we can get graphics made so that when the show comes on the air the teams are in the right regions they're bracketed correctly and it was while we were in that meeting that we discovered an error had been made and the brackets had been posted on ESPNU the the feeling in the room uh, as all of us were just so unbelievably disappointed that something like that happened uh and how it affects the entire show. We ended up, instead of going on at 7 o'clock, we went on at 5. And When you say the entire show, you're talking about all of women's college basketball because they're part of the show. Oh, of course. Yeah, it's and, and that's the bigger part of it is how the student athletes and the coaches are affected by this. You know, for us, we, we had to come on early and, uh, and, the sh- and you know, our hour-long telecast wasn't what it would have been. You know, you, you feel bad for everyone involved. And, and even on our side, you know, we had one guy whose job it was the past few weeks um, was to set up live shots so that when a team team's name got announced, we could show them celebrating. And he had done that for, I think, about 50 of the 64 schools. There's a lot of work that he put into it and then that the schools put into it because what we ultimately want to do is this this telecast is for the kids in the schools is you want to show their excitement and you want to share that moment, um, this exciting moment that they're having. Or they find um, out they're in the tournament, where they're going and who they're playing. Yeah, all, all of those things. And, and oftentimes, as soon as they see their name, they start cheering. They don't even 
necessarily doesn't register who they're playing or where they're going. Sometimes that doesn't matter, especially to teams who have never been there or haven't been there in a long time. So, you know, it was we, we everyone at ESPN felt horrible that this happened. You know, I'm, I'm sure I'm sure we'll learn from it. But it was, uh, you know, it, it was hard because it's such an exciting day for everybody. And it's uh it's too bad that, that something like that happened. But now we have the brackets and we know which teams are playing which other teams, where they're ranked, where they're seated, where they're going, and um, all the excitement can continue. And we should say Denny's uh, brainstorm, brainchild for uh, a bowl and chain bracket challenge. I just thought bracket challenge, B and C. It's, it's, oh, there you go. It was the winner would be named. You will receive no monetary compensation. None at all. No material reward whatsoever maybe a coaster but the winner will be named the staff resident bracketologist the resident bracketologist i mean this is really the one that people are going to have to do something to earn you know for all the uh, all of our other resident things that's what they already are we, we have other branches of medicine represented we have gynecology we have ophthalmology but we do not yet have bracketology. And that's a six-year curriculum, isn't it? Um, I think five if you're in the accelerated accelerated program. So this is big stuff. And how do they do this, Rebecca? Oh, I'm going to tweet out the link. And all you have to do is click on the link. I think if if you've never done a bracket at ESPN.com, again, which is where we're hosting this through, um, you might have to log in and, and register or something, but you won't get emails. You won't get anything like that. And um, But just click on the link and it'll bring you to a place. It's really, really easy to uh, to fill out a bracket. And will you be participating in this challenge? Oh, I've already... F- See, if you were listening, you would have known that I already said that I filled uh, out the women's bracket and you will listening. be and you will be later today filling out the men's bracket. Yes. It doesn't say my name. It says like ESPN with a bunch of numbers after it. I don't know exactly what that means, but that's mine. And, uh, and I'll have to put this dis- disclaimer out there. This is not who I'm rooting for. This is who not I honestly... Not even who you're predicting. This is, this is you know... It's just, just a lottery ticket. This is, you know, just a fun thing we're doing through the ball and chain podcast. Well, um, it's, it's, when you say it's that time of year, it's the most wonderful time of the year. What we ordinarily associate the most wonderful time of the year is, is the Christmas song, the Christmas song. Right. It's the most, is it Johnny Mathis, I think, wonderful time of the year. And sometimes we listen to holiday songs, even after the holidays, maybe all the way up until New Year's Eve, you leave that holidays, holiday station on. But Sunday morning, I came home from being out with my, our eldest daughter. You were gone i believe i think i was at church with the other kids yeah and uh and i just had a sudden desire a sudden motivation to start taking down our christmas decorations um our 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 manifold christmas decorations i think there were something like 17 nutcrackers still on display in the house i just had this conversation actually with one of the women that i coach basketball with i had this conversation with her a week ago and i was just talking about what a busy time of year this this has been you know january through now because you know we've got kids who play a bunch of uh, on a bunch of different basketball teams. You know, both of us with our work um, are very busy. And I said to her, I said, I have still have Christmas decorations out, none on the outside of the house. I did get rid of the wreath and the appropriate maybe of a time. week ago, but it was, inside it was deceased and it was hanging on our door. No, it was it was longer than a week ago, too long, but longer than a week ago. Shorter than two weeks. And ago. um 
And I said, like, it bothers me every time I'm like walking through the house that I still have these decorations up, but I hadn't taken them down because I didn't have, it's a couple hours for me to devote because I not only have to take the stockings down, and yes, the stockings were one of the things that were still up, but I have to put them in the appropriate Tupperware. I have to put everything where it goes, then I have to bring it into the unfinished side of the basement and put it on the shelf where it goes. And so when I got home that day, I did appreciate that you had you had taken the stuff down. I foolishly, I th- I foolishly thought that I was doing something, doing something positive, and I was helping us out. And as I learned were, immediately that I shouldn't have done well, this. As you were making, as I, you were was, constructing a box to just was, basically throw everything in and then just put it somewhere. And so then, at some point, I still have to to do the other stuff. So no, I came around. My my initial reaction, which I realized was inappropriate, was very very annoyed and then i'm like you know what he's trying to be helpful he's no he's, he's not trying, trying to be helpful he's being helpful well, I, sort I, of. I took down and put away in the appropriate where there Did wasn't you put a box it in the appropriate where stuff? there wasn't a box i created a, a well, brand new box <laughs> and labeled it with what's in it well see and and, is- and to be perfectly honest to be perfectly honest yes. if, if i took all of those boxes and set fire to them it would be no loss whatsoever no, maybe that's the, not true. maybe the kids christmas stockings but there are there are at least uh, 16 too many nutcrackers and no, so many see, stuffed Christmas uh, uh, reindeer and things that, that were bought in bulk at the Christmas no, tree shops that it would, it, we problem. could replace all of it with a with a check for $9.50. This is the problem. As you say, you know, we have 17 nutcrackers that we need to get rid of. That's what you see when you look at the nutcrackers. What I see is when my mother was still alive and our daughters were young, she would take each year the kids to a nut, to the to the show the Nutcracker. And when they were there, she would buy them each a Nutcracker. So, you know, that was at the time it was just our daughters, so it was our two older daughters, but they went for a couple of years. So, six of those Nutcrackers are the ones that my mother purchased for our daughters and, and said- when, when they went to the show. So, to you, that's just a bunch of nutcrackers. To me, and I, I put their initials on the bottom of them, it's like a little way to keep my mother alive at Christmas time. That is why I don't want you putting the, the stuff away because well, you might just toss it and say, whatever this is. No, for me, that's that's a memory and something uh, that our, our children and shared I, with I, my mother. And I'm sure your mother appreciates that you put them out at Christmas and then leave them up year round this, that that's where you go with this you, no no, no. Are, <laughs> i i i i think it's a sweet you, you I think are it's a you sweet are thing. such a um sentimental and thoughtful well, let me and, just and let loving me just let me just tell person. let me just tell the people <laughs> let me just tell the people that you were in another room examining what i've done with the christmas decorations <laughs> i was in the kitchen with our with our seventh grader when you said i was going to put those away when i had time and our seventh grader looked at me and, said, and whispered it's St. Patrick's Day. <laughs> it actually was St. Patrick's Day. I, but but that's the life. That's my life. January through March. I honestly don't feel like I have uh, two hours that I want to, you know, devote to something like that. So anyway, the decorations are down. Thank you. Um, at some point, I will I will get them into their proper place. But this there are this, still large displays of of um, like uh, branches pulled off of a Christmas tree with the silver Christmas tree bulbs in little clear boxes scattered around the house. We still uh, have to get those put away. But so I don't I don't know how other husbands and wives and, and fathers and mothers do things, but this makes me think of something else. Our kids often, their, their dressers or their desks in their rooms will just get a bunch of clutter on top of it. And that's, that's something like the, the Christmas tree decorations. When I see that stuff, I'm like, all right, 
that's maybe 45 minutes out of my day if I choose to do it myself or it's going to take to organize that because some of the stuff, yes, needs to be thrown away. Some of it needs to be put into like one of their memory boxes. Something needs to be put somewhere else. But there is some thought and, and definitely time that's going to go into clearing off that dresser versus, and this happens almost every year when I come home from the final four, you'll say, I was fed up. I cleared off our daughter's dresser. And what that means is you've taken everything that was on it and thrown it in a bag, which just means that at some point I'm going to have to spend 45 minutes going through that no. bag to then put whatever goes in the no. memory box, put it in the memory box, whatever goes in the something else, put it in the something else. Like the, how how you see cleaning I, and how I see all cleaning we have are to very do, different. All, no, all we have to do is we, we put it in the bag. And then over the next 48 hours when the kids exhibit no interest whatsoever and don't wonder where it went and will never want to look at it again, I put it in a steel memory box behind the uh, liquor store (laughs) called the dumpster. (laughs) And they never mention it again. Oh, yeah. But there there are some things that I think, and and I, I don't think, I think I'm pretty judicious, you know, when they bring stuff home from school of what I keep and what I don't. Usually the stuff that I keep, it might be a a story that they've written or something that I think they actually might want when they're a little older. Or it it might be a certificate from, you know, getting an an award for one of their teams, something like that. Like, I don't keep everything. I definitely don't think I'm a hoarder. We we do have way too much stuff in this house. We have. But there are things that that I think they want to have kept. We have two, at least two, maybe as many as four large lawn and leaf hefty bags here next to me, right here in the basement, full of stuffed animals. Stuffed those, animals that the kids don't those don't need use to anymore. Go. Those need to go. Uh, express no interest in and are undonatable to yes, anybody. You can't nobody will, nobody will take stuffed animals. Yeah, for no, good those reason. need to go. I'm I'm with you and there a hundred percent. They're already in the trash bags. I know. I know. I know. I believe they're unrecyclable. Do you know where the transfer station is? We can go there any Saturday that we want between 9 and 4. I've made the mistake of, if, if I had done that on my own, what did you do with the stuffed animals? I made the mistake of taking down Christmas decorations on my own. I got nothing but grief for it. But I want to, I want to, I want to lay some of the blame at my feet here because uh, it made me think when we were talking about, um, uh, talking about the Christmas decorations, I've been negligent in sending out swag. So if you've put in a swag request for ball and chain beer coasters or whatever it is that we are sending out these days i haven't i haven't sent them out in at least a month so i will send them out this week that's on my to-do list but my to-do list my never to be done list really is is includes now and i think you'll you'll be able to add to this we now have two toilets that that run in the house and they require replacing that rubber stopper thing i, I mean i know how to flush them just so so that i can hit the sweet spot where where it won't run. Yeah, I've I and I've sort of drawn the line. Like I think that we've talked about this before. Yeah, that absolutely. is definitely a man absolutely. job. The, the um, rubber thing in the toilet is I, a man job. I broke the handle on the toaster a few weeks ago. You did do that as well. And uh, that's probably easily glued back on or something, but I I haven't really looked into that yet. The lights have been out in the garage, in the automatic garage door opener for a few months this now. This is my this is my favorite. The but, lights, but, but the, the, the problem with that is you have to back the car out and set the ladder up yeah. to change them. And and I don't want to step on top of the car and fall through the the can, sky route. Can sky, I interject the, for a second just please. because it, it fits here? But I um, wasn't finished with my uh, no. I know that, that are never to be done. I know there's more things, but um, the garage lights th- those definitely need to be fixed. And I 
I didn't say anything to you about it for quite a while, and then I said something to you last week. We need to to we meaning you because changing light bulbs is has become without any conversation between us. Your one of your jobs in the house, and and so when I got home later that day, you said I went to change the light bulbs, and I turned them a little bit. And they went back on. They did. Yes. But then later that night, they were back off. Okay. And that was a week ago. So, um, and this is how, like, the the weird brain of a woman works, or maybe just the weird brain of me. But when I came home that Sunday and irrationally got annoyed with you for putting away the Christmas decorations, I was just about to go outside and, and like, just out of a weird passive-aggressive thing, change, change the light, the light bulbs. But, the but we don't have the light bulbs. That's that's, that's the, problem. the problem. Anybody can change the light bulbs. The key is to go the get the light bulbs. The key is to drive seven yeah. minutes to the so local store. The answer to the question, how many Steves does it cha- take to change a light bulb? Yes. Two. One to say he'll change the light bulb. <laughs> right. And then the same one, like a year later, to actually to change actually the light bulb. It. What do you think is a realistic time frame for getting those, uh, I think I, I, those I, light bulbs I changed? Think, uh, I think I can do it before... The final four. Okay, that would be delightful. You won't be here in the meantime, so and it doesn't bother the rest of us. Well, you didn't finish your to-do list. What else is on? I'm, well, I'm I, eager to hear. I'm what's never on going here. to finish my to-do list, but I, I can finish reciting my to-do list. We've uh, we have a post lamp in our yard, a light yes. on a post, and well, it was knocked over. Yeah, it was knocked askew. It wasn't knocked over, and then sometime during the winter, in a high wind, it just fell over into the snow, and the the big uh, glass light fixture on on it shattered one that I replaced about a year ago and I know what a uh, schlep that's going to be to replace it. So you've got to get a new post you've got to get a new light call an electrician. Calling the electrician is generally my job but I can't do that until you've purchased the new post and the new light. uh, Anyway this is just the start of the list. The list is goes on and on and on. I would like to see but but what I've done is I've I've partially completed a to-do list which is something that's been on my to-do list right I was going to say what I would like to see is as much as I appreciate your to-do list I would like to see your done list (laughs) even if that's a to-do list with checks next to it granted the list is the first step in the process but um, maybe when I get back from the final four there will be a just a done list (laughs) or or maybe I'll have moved some of them in the to don't list (laughs) and I have a very extensive to don't list Last week, our daughter, our high school age daughter, was going to get on a school bus after school to go down and root on the, the high school hockey team in uh, the state tournament. But she had a couple hours between the end of school and when the bus was going to take off. So she asked me, she's like, would you please take me and a couple of my friends to a restaurant nearby? She's like, so we could, you know, get something to eat. And, you know, it just didn't make sense where all her friends lived for them all to go home. It would be a nuisance for their parents to have to bring them home and back. So anyway, yes, I'll I'll take you and your friends to lunch. So as I'm driving to pick her up from school to take her and her three friends to lunch, she sends me a text that says, I don't mean to be rude, but would you mind sitting at another table? And I responded, and I said, well, you failed to not be rude. Of course that's rude, but um, but yes, I don't mind sitting at another table. So anyway, I ended up just dropping them off and picking them up and um, just sitting in the parking lot and enjoying some peace and quiet. But I put it out there as a Twitter poll. What should I do? This is what my daughters asked me to do. What should I do? Should I make her let me sit with her friends? Embarrass or, her. And embarrass her? Or should I uh, sit alone at the restaurant? And anyway, um, close to 2,000 votes came in. of people said I should sit alone. Only 41% said that I should sit with her and embarrass her. Well, I was part of the 41%. You wanted me to sit with her? I did. 
Well, uh, it, it ended up working out perfectly for both of us because it was a sunny day. So I just sat in a in the car in the parking lot, and it was it was comfortable, and I got some stuff done, and uh, and it ended up being a nice ninety minutes to myself. I liked that. Well, she is at an age they all are now where their threshold for embarrassment is is very low. I drive her to school every morning, get dressed in the dark to uh, to leave, and I threw on some black pants and what turned out to be a black or navy blue long sleeve shirt to drive her to school. And when I got in the car as a result the other day, we were we were driving and she said, she looked at me and said, uh, emo dad, <laughs> so bad. Emo dad. Emo dad. I like it. See, now if, if it was our generation, she would have said sprockets from or, the right. SNL skit. Or, or, or um, goth dad. I, I think that's right. probably still a thing. But emo dad. So now I'm wearing the guy liner and uh, sort right. of the Robert Smith of the Cure <laughs> uh, white makeup and wig. So I'm I'm emo dad so bad in my head now, and I'm dressed all in black. And we're going to open up Denny's old curiosity shop. We've had the curiosity shop in a couple of weeks, haven't no, we? No, we haven't. It's nice to have it back. When the spawn meets world. We're opening up with the creek, the shop with two P's from Denny with one N. Hi guys, Denny writes, the madness of March of the March varieties upon us. I like the stylistic uh, turn of phrase of Denny here, which I'm sure is a lot more relaxing than December madness, which is Christmas or late August madness, which is back to school. Anyway, here's what I got this week in the shop. Rebecca, when you were at UConn, what kind of festivities were involved for the bracket reveal? Was there even a bracket reveal back in those uh, back in benighted the days. days of 1990? Yes, there was a bracket reveal and I think we would just get together and watch it uh, as a team. Maybe there's a couple media members there. I vaguely remember that, but that was it. We would probably have had practice, eaten, and then watch the show. And and actually, my sophomore year, we were a little bit worried that we weren't going to even make the bracket or um, make the tournament. That was back before there were 64 teams on the women's side. There was only 48. And not only did we make it, we got a, a bye, and then we played – we hosted a game against Louisville. This was 1993, and we lost. And it's that was the la- we lost the in the Big East tournament, and then lost the tournament game, 1993. And that was the last time UConn has lost back-to-back games. My sophomore year. When the last hosted, time. The last time UConn lost back-to-back games was 1993. Your sophomore year of my college. My sophomore year of college. It's pretty impressive. <laughs> That's unbelievable. <laughs> Denny writes in light of the college admissions scandal. How far is too far to get a kid into the college of their choice? Is I it the college of their choice or the college of the parents' choice? Right, well, clearly, in, in the case of this admission scandal, it was the college of the parents' choice, and it's probably the college of the parents' choice in most cases now. I mean, I don't... I, I, this completely baffles me because I, I think I am on a totally different spectrum. Like, I'm, I'm hoping our daughter, daughter's son don't want to go to an Ivy League school because I would rather not have to pay that tuition. And like the, let's and go. Let's go to Marquette. Go to UConn. Go to you know another really good school that is not the uh, the expense of an Ivy League. So, it's also very hard to get into. Right. Well, and and if we have like a if one of our kids is you know ridiculously smart and 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 just has exactly what an Ivy League school wants, maybe Princeton I will, could use yes, a guy like Joel. Maybe I'll bribe the Yale basketball coach to make sure they don't get in so that if they want to go there we don't have to help pay that tuition so well, i don't know the, the whole thing was just uh 
It's just a little bit nutty, huh? I mean, the world has changed, and kids have definitely gotten uh, and their parents soft. Because when I was when I was in high school, my parents insisted that I work often two jobs every summer to pay for at least half of my college admissions bribe. Right. <laughs> Actually, yeah. I, I looked. I, I applied to one school, and, and I went there. Marquette, Marquette, who was in the NCAA men's bracket in Hartford this week, so I get to see the Golden Eagles play at home here for me, a home game for me. I know me. you're excited. And I think, did you did you pull the trigger? Or did you get tickets? Are I have, you, I have tickets, to yes, game? I have tickets. So. so, yeah, you're going to the game, and um, good luck to the Marquette Golden Eagles. Who are they playing? They're playing Murray State, who has the presumptive number two pick in the draft, Ja Morant, behind Zion Williamson. Oh, okay. So and, and Marquette's point guard, Marcus Howard, is, of course, one of the best players in the nation. Morant averages 24 points a game. Howard, I think, is averaging like 25 points a game, so that should be a fun do Magic you have to, so if they win on Thursday, they play on Saturday in Hartford. Do you have tickets for the Saturday game or just the Thursday game? I didn't want to jinx the Thursday game by getting tickets for the Saturday game, which I wouldn't be attending if Marquette weren't advancing. Well, so I'll, I'll cross they, that bridge when I when I come to it. Sometimes when they have these tournaments, you can only purchase all tournament tickets to yeah. tickets to you know no, all no. three games or I whatever. Did, I didn't it's purchase be. the strip. You didn't tickets. purchase the no, strip. No. So all right, well, good luck to Marquette. Thank you. Also, I don't think I'll be available to attend on Saturday. Won't you be working on Saturday? I will be working all day on Saturday, but you'd be available. You just have to bring four kids with you. (laughs) Finally, in the Curiosity Shop, Denny attaches the list of the 20 cleanest airlines. The list of the 20 cleanest airlines was released this week. Released by whom? He doesn't say. Oh, by Skytrax with an X. Uh, Can you guess how many American airlines are on this list? Skytrax, top 20 cleanest airlines in 2018. ANA, on the Airways, is number one. Eva Air of Taiwan, EVA, is number two. Asiana Airlines, South Korea, is number three. Singapore Airlines, number four. Japan Airlines, JAL, is number five. Cathay Pacific out of Hong Kong is six. Qatar Airways is seven. Swiss Air is eight. Hainan Airlines out of China, nine. And Lufthansa, ten. I can give you, spoiler alert, there are no American airlines. You, you on know this why list. that is, right? Because Americans tend to fly on American airlines. And we've talked about this, people taking off their shoes, the one story of the guy removing his pants. Americans probably are the reason. Not not that the airlines that are based here aren't fastidious in their cleaning of the planes, but just we dirty them up so quickly. They can't possibly keep up with the, the pace of uncleanliness of, of, that their of, passengers are. Of every single right. one of their passengers can't be being to, pig pen. Can't be expected to to uh, catch every clipped toenail as it goes cartwheeling right. through the air. Right, exactly. I will close the curiosity shop just in time to open viewer mail. Big bad book, throw our lure, reel us in with your viewer mail. We're going to start with one that came in through Twitter from Mike, and again, that's at Ball and Chain Pod is, is our Twitter handle. He said, I can't wait for this week's podcast to find out how Steve Russian celebrated National Sloppy Joe Day. You know how you celebrated National Sloppy Joe Day? By t- taking down the Christmas ornaments. <laughs> I, think I, I think I celebrated that by, you know how I celebrated National Sloppy Joe Day? How did you? I celebrated National Sloppy Joe Day by A, being unaware of it being National Sloppy Joe Day. Okay. And two, by following your instructions, because you were working on making a shepherd's pie. Yes. And you said, cook it at 350 degrees for 45 minutes. I did that. And when, at the end of those 45 minutes, I 
stuck a fork in it to, to, to take a bite of the uh, ground beef beneath the mashed potato. Yes. And the fork couldn't pierce the frozen block yeah. of, of ground beef. Yeah. It took, after two hours, it was now 6.45 and the kids were long past hangry and had, had kind of reverted to a, a sulking state of, of resentment. I took out, there were still little frozen bits in it, but it was time to eat. And so we, we ate the thing and they, they were hungry enough that, that they ate it. But well, this is that, the same day, that same day, our daughter and your father went to rent at the Bushnell Theater in downtown Hartford, the musical. And the signature song of that musical goes 525,600 minutes. And that had been ringing in my ears all day because our daughter had been listening to it prior to going to the show. But now I have a, I have a new spin on that lyric, 525,600 minutes. How long does it take to cook a shepherd's pie? <laughs> Well, I talked a couple of weeks ago how after the kids told me we almost never eat on Sundays, that's when I went into a local orchard and bought a, a, quite a few pre-made but homemade items, and one of them was just shepherd's pie. And so Sunday, again, I was working, but it was St. Patrick's Day, so I thought this is perfect. The shepherd's pie will be perfect thing to have on St. Patrick's Day. So I took it out of the freezer, let it thaw all day. So when I gave you the cooking instructions, I gave you the cooking instructions for a thawed shepherd's pie not for a frozen one because i figured an entire day out of the freezer would be enough for it to have thawed and that wasn't the case so i just we just can't win sundays are are sundays the kids are stuck (laughs) and of course it's only gonna get worse as you as you begin to uh go under studio house arrest during the tournament yes studio house arrest starts uh friday morning and goes through just about midnight well you know when i when we when i do my uh test when we when we start the podcast off the air, we do a little sound check to make sure that this is recording. And I, I used to say, breaker, uh, breaker, breaker, breaker. Is anybody there? Now I say the word possesses, possesses four s's. No other word possesses four s's, and that comes from Dr. K, professor of English in uh, Fort Wayne, Indiana, and uh, he has written back to us. He's finally caught up with his binge listening and got to the part where we thanked him for sending in that that uh, phrase. He writes, the opening story relating to your daughter's disappointment over the jersey retirement at halftime, I believe this was last week. Yeah, this is, she was disappointed that, that Red there Panda wasn't Red Panda or a baby race or something right. much more exciting. Yes, it was a couple she, weeks ago. A couple weeks ago, we were at the UConn game. She was sorry that halftime entertainment was your jersey retirement and not Red Panda. Dr. K writes, it reminded me of one of our own family stories from 10 or 11 years ago. At the time, our daughter was around six years old. And one evening she asked, Dad, what kind of doctor are you? My response was, well, I'm a doctor in the subject of English. So I teach college students how to write essays and also how to understand and interpret literature. The disappointment on her face and in her voice was clear. Oh, she replied, I thought you were the kind of doctor who helps people. (laughs) I wonder if it was similar to the disappointment in our eight-year-old's voice. Uh, This was, again, this was Sunday. I'd been working Sunday. Maybe it was because she was undernourished because she hadn't had a chance to have... uh, fully cooked shepherd's pie but I was but she did have her, a shepherd's pie sickle <laughs> I was pu- putting her to bed right when I got home and uh, she was telling me how she had been watching America's Funniest Videos that's one of the shows that we can watch as a family we enjoy watching and as we're sitting there she looked at me it, with real disappointment and, and she said dad said we can't enter a video to AFE because you work for Disney and there was just an accusatorial tone in her voice and I just said I don't know if that's true, but I'm sorry. Well, no, it is true because we had been watching AFE, and they made a, a rapid-fire disclaimer 
after requesting a video solicitation that said uh, employees and, and their families of Disney and ABC, et cetera, are not eligible. And she said to me, what does that mean? And I said, it means if you work for Disney or, or your, one of your parents does, you can't uh, enter this contest. And I said, and mom actually works for Disney. And I thought she worked for ESPN. Well, they're owned by Disney. That's why Mickey Mouse is on the pay stubs that come in the mail. And she said she, it didn't go over well. I can yeah. say that. Couldn't mom at least quit her job so we can submit something to AFE? Yeah, it gives her more reason to want me to quit my job. She she often says, you know, can somebody else just dress up like you and call the basketball game? Well, now she wants uh, she wants the perks of not being a Disney employee and, and wants me to uh, no longer work for them so she can submit a video to AFE. Well, we go from Dr. K, the English doctor, to Dr. G in Columbus, my monocle and croaky dealer and eye doctor. Uh, who writes, Steve and Rebecca, I'd like to pass along some important public safety information to you and your listeners. The headline on this email, which is to ballandchainpot at gmail.com, is a cautionary tale. This morning, uh, George writes, I saw a woman in the office for an injury to her left eye. She indicated that she had been participating in trivia night at a local bar when she was struck in the eye by a cardboard beer coaster that someone had thrown frisbee style across the room. On exam, she had a few scratches on her cornea and, upon flipping her upper eyelid, I found a retained fiber of cardboard under her lid. To my knowledge, this represents the first reported case of beer coaster keratopathy. Since many of your listeners have ball and chain beer coasters, I thought they should be aware of this previously unrecognized but serious hazard. But more importantly, you may want to consult the ball and chain legal staff to determine whether a warning label should be added to your swag. Finally, since the swag is Denny's side hustle, not yours, he should be aware of his potential liability exposure. Oh, that's a little bit frightening. You know, earlier in the podcast, you said you're going to send out swag. Maybe we need to wait a little bit longer till we get advice from our legal counsel. So there's not a, a recall by the National Toy Council on our on our on our beer coasters. Exactly. Well, we have many resident. We have patent attorneys and, and other legal experts on our on our staff. I think we should probably have them weigh in. But in the meantime, I'm going to throw caution to the wind and continue to send out the but swag. But you're not going to throw the coaster to the wind. Just I'll throw caution. I'll throw caution to the wind, but not coasters. You mentioned the Jersey retirement. Uh, something came into Twitter from Anne, and she said, what do you think of number 92 for a jersey? And she retweets something that the Minnesota Lynx sent out, that Demiris Duntis, who they signed as a free agent this offseason, will wear number 92 for the Lynx this season. She will become the first player in franchise history to don the number and the first in the WNBA to wear a number above 90 since Samantha Prahalis for Phoenix in 2013. Samantha Prahalis played at Ohio State. I think she was number 91, but I'm not exactly sure. But yeah, Demiris Duntis is going to wear number 92. I like it. You like it? I do. I mean, you know, what's there's no sacrosanct thing about having a low number. And, I, and you know, Wayne Gretzky, 99. Uh, Conor McGregor, the current best player in hockey, 97. Mario Lemieux, 66. I'm only using hockey examples. I don't know. But I, I kind of like, like traditional basketball numbers. You know, like in high school, you can't have a number above five. Um, but that's high school. Yeah, I like but, but, I like it for high school. No, I understand. I'm just saying I like traditional basketball numbers, kind of the ones that you grew up with. Because even when we were kids, there weren't any really high numbers in the NBA at that point. Now you can have them, but um, but it may be probably because it's what I grew up with. I still like the traditional numbers. Well, we've got a, an email here from Matt, who is a fellow Bloomington Kennedy graduate. He graduated class of 1980. I was the class of 1984. A lot of great. Um, 
common experiences we had. He read Stingray Afternoons and realized that we had several, one degree of separations, including he worked at Met Stadium where, where I did. He didn't realize that I worked there at the time, but he did. He was aware of my older brother, Jim. My recollection, Matt writes, based on input from buddies, was that he should be respected and to do nothing that would invoke his wrath. Well, that remains true to this day. I do nothing to invoke my older brother's wrath, and, and that was an accurate memory of him. But what I really want to get to in this email, having nothing to do with Bloomington, is is Matt's Uber confession. Ooh. And I know we're in viewer mail, but can we can we put an Uber confession inside th- viewer mail? I think we can, Kind of yes. like Russian nesting dolls? Yes. A segment within a segment? Yes. Well, I'm going to get to Matt's Uber confession right now. Here it goes. In January, my wife and I were returning home from Orlando after a vacation. Our, ch- our planned neighborhood driver was not available for the ride home from MSP, so we decided to try our first Uber experience for the short drive to Egan. Matt describes it as, as more of an Uber experience than an Uber confession. You'll find out why in a moment. As I typically travel with my golf clubs, I was apprehensive in choosing the Uber option as I had a vision of the Uber driver showing up in a smart car with no room for our luggage and clubs. Fortunately, Aileen showed up in a Toyota Sienna minivan, which would have plenty of room. The Sienna had sliding doors on both sides of the van, so me, being the chivalrous husband, that's how we were raised in Bloomington, went to the roadside door, allowing my wife to enter on the curbside. Much to my surprise, my wife followed me around to the roadside, so I figured I'd let her in and go back to the curbside. As I rounded the back of the van, I felt a heavy thump on my head, and the next thing I knew, I was down on all fours with a man standing near me asking, Are you okay? Apparently, Aileen, unaware of my double reverse, closed the liftgate door on my head. As I staggered to my feet, I placed my hand on my head to discover I was bleeding. Aileen promptly handed me a Kleenex. Needless to say, there was not much confessing taking place on the ride home. All I heard was the chorus of tweeting birds circling my head for most of the drive. Obviously, still discombobulated from the blow, I awarded Aileen a four-star rating and a 15% tip. Uh, well, fantastic. Um, okay. I've done this many times, self-inflicted, you, banging my head on the lift gate I was going to say, not many times have you not opened done the minivan door for me to get in. Um, but but, but I, I do, I do I like how Matt subtly, chivalrously, but subtly, he, 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 calls to, he calls attention to his own chivalry, as he should, and then sort of subtly lays the blame on his wife but for, a, for inexplicably following him around to the roadside. Why, why would she have done that? Okay, well, he shouldn't have gone around to the roadside anyway. Sure when, he should when, have. No, he should not have. When you're, when you're getting into a minivan, you get in the curbside and walk over, crawl over whatever to the other seat and then let, that, let, let your wife in after you. Whenever you're getting into, whether it's a cab or an Uber, you always get in on the curbside because it's the safe side. And then once you get in, you slide over, move, move over, or whatever. That that was a mistake by him to go to the roadside of it's, the car. It's the whole, I should say, just to make you feel bad, he says, I really enjoy your podcast. Rebecca does a great job with her work on ESPN, and I'm very much looking forward to the release of Knights in White Castle. That's May 30th. Why would that make me feel bad? I, I, because I you're, you're taking his wife's side now, and he's... he's. I, I'm not taking anyone's side. I'm just saying, for, for those who have a little bit more experience in, in ride shares or in, in taxi cabs... You always, always get in on the curbside. And if you're the first one in the car and there's more people to follow, you just slide over. Well, the whole reason that the steering wheel is on the left, of course, when when Henry Ford uh, mass-produced the automobile was so that you could pull up and the and the woman, because, of course, only the man would be driving, could get in on the curbside. So. I like how you do this. Um, well, the whole reason the driver's side is, uh, is on Cliff the left Clavin side. I'm Cliff Of course, is because whatever I like how you throw in the of I, course I like to try to, like, like to, try oh, to find of course everyone an knows this fact <laughs> throw in of course as if everybody knows it but the only reason I'm saying it is because people wouldn't know it you know so what? The, it's it's not only arrogant it's it's uh, it's 
it's insufferable. Uh, yeah, and um, <laughs> the, the of course though is usually replaced by you with if 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 I had to ask you, all right. What do you think, and this is for a million dollars, what do you think is the one word you use more than any other word? Would, do you think you'd be able to get it right? Obviously. Obviously. Is that yes. what you, is that yeah, what you were going to say? Of course. <laughs> obviously. 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 And, and obviously is one of those words that's used to, in a way of like, you know, everyone should know this. And you make a statement and then obviously, as if, of course it's right because you've thrown in the qualifier, obviously. <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> Obviously, of course. <laughs> this comes from Matt. Matt in West Hartford. We know Matt in West oh, Hartford. Matt and, and Matt's wife. Well, last week we re- Matt's wife wrote in and we and we referred to her. She didn't refer to herself as, but we referred to her as Matt's long-suffering wife. So this, this email has the header, long-suffering, question mark, exclamation mark. And it begins, long-suffering. Long-suffering. While I've no doubt that my wife, Carrie, is my long-suffering spouse, I'm not sure how I feel about someone who I only met in person once, accurately diagnosing the situation. Accurately diagnosed. Yeah, accurately, with a, with a smiley face emoji. On another note, I figured you both would appreciate the story. A few weeks ago, our seven-year-old son watched a TV show about the 1986 Celtics and Larry Bird. The next day, we went bowling, and as we were pulling on our bowling shoes, he said to me and his three-year-old brother, so which one of you guys is going to finish second? God, do I love that. <laughs> Quoting Bird from the 86 three-point shooting contest, as he left the locker room, he looked around and said, which one of you guys is going to finish second? Of course, he won that on his last shot. Obviously. I'm not sure if I'm horrified or proud of him. Of course, Matt, you know, you are sure. You are proud of him and not horrified. That would be uh, probably perhaps my proudest moment as a parent. P.S., as you guys undoubtedly can attest to, life gets hectic for my wife and I between work and the kids, and it's hard to find time to catch up. I think we're now communicating more through viewer mail than we actually get to in real life. So we've provided a forum. He and his long-suffering wife. We communicate more during the podcast than we do in real life, and now Matt and Carrie uh, in viewer mail. Okay, Rebecca, this one's in your wheelhouse. This comes from Anne in Minnesota. She writes, should girls and women's teams be called Lady Lakers or Lady Tigers or Lady Huskies, etc., or just Lakers, Tigers, and Huskies? Have you ever thought about what your son's teams are named versus what your daughter's teams are named? I have to say our daughter's teams, are none of them are named Lady this or Lady that. Right. They're the Knights at school. They're the Bears in town. They're, they're the Lions in high school. But some high school names are the Lady This and some college names. How do you feel about that, Rebecca? And the, by the way, we should add that the, the Huskies are not the Lady Huskies. No. They're the Huskies. It's interesting because in college, some teams want to make sure they are the Lady, some, you know, that you use the qualifier Lady. And then there are some that are adamant that you don't. So it's it's interesting. And, and you look at the team like the Tennessee Lady Vols, for example, and they removed the Lady from the Vols a couple years ago. And people were really upset about that, as they should have been. You know, they built this brand as the Tennessee Lady Vols, and they, I think, only let the women's basketball team uh, right. use Lady again. I'm, I'm not 100% sure on that. But if people are really passionate about having Lady or not having, <laughs> not using Lady, then I, I, I can understand. But yeah, I wouldn't, we were never the Lady Huskies. I wouldn't want to be the Lady Huskies. Uh, you know, in the WNBA, obviously, obviously, there's no Lady because the name is different from the right. NBA counterpart, but um, I don't love it. But for a brand like the Lady Vols, obviously they should have it. Yeah, it's 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 part of their part of their heritage History and all that. And yeah, yeah, everything. 
But uh, uh, as Ann writes, uh, if people call the girls' team Lady Lakers, she's referring to grade school and high school, then shouldn't the boys be called the Gentlemen Lakers? Are the boys the real Lakers and the girls have to be identified as something else? That's what it sure seems like, and I understand that as well. Yeah, sure. I, I, I wouldn't want our kids, like you mentioned, in their high school um, teams, I would not want them to be the lady something and then the guys teams to just be just be the bears and then but that the girls have to be the lady bears that's that's a little ridiculous and she specifically writes i have no problem with the tennessee lady vols and other teams who's for whom it's the official name but i absolutely hate all the hate it in all other cases and i think she's referring to a specific team in minnesota who were identified in the newspaper as the lady lakers when in fact that's not part of their name their name is just the lakers so i get it this comes from Sherry, and um, she writes, Stephen, Rebecca, good afternoon. Both of my kids played sports from first grade until they graduated from high school, and after 15 years of watching their games year-round, I found myself lamenting the lack of any sort of proper training for bleacher butt. We all know this dread medical affliction where you're yes. sitting in the bleachers for sometimes five hours at a time at yep. a tournament or something. I would often find myself, she writes, walking around in hopes of restoring the feeling in my legs as well as trying to stretch out my back. This was often accompanied by several hours of travel by car to and from the game. I often joke that once my kids were done with sports, I would start an annual bleacher butt training program for parents that focused on proper stretching and simple exercises. Rebecca, since you are still physically active, do you struggle with this problem? Do you have exercises you re- recommend? What I, what I love is that by implication, you are not I am no longer active. physically active. Well, I'll say this. I don't generally get bleacher butt, and one of the reasons is I coach most of our kids' teams, at least during the basketball season. So I am not sitting. I'm standing over on the sidelines for much of it. And then if you're just watching one game, you don't usually get bleacher butt too bad. But when I do uh, in the wintertime, because I have a heavy coat, I usually put the coat underneath me, it cushions things a little bit. You see the people who have the seats now that have the back and the cushion, maybe that would be a, a way to go. I don't necessarily know that there's any exercises or stretches that you could do. I, I think whatever for you do, the affliction we like to call bleacher butt. Whatever you see of those airplane videos where they say get up and walk around, that's the only thing you do. But she adds in this another distinct memory from watching my daughter play AAU basketball here in Oregon is the loner syndrome. My daughter played on the same team as Mercedes Russell, Tennessee alum and member of the Seattle Storm, and one of our fiercest rivals was the local team for which Lexi Bando, Oregon Ducks alum, played. My husband Lexi works. Bando was a great three-point yeah. shooter who graduated last year. My husband works Saturday, so I usually took our daughter by myself. I would find a seat in the farthest reaches of the gym, hopefully with no people near, and read until her game started. That's exactly what I do. Yeah. That's exactly what I do. Without fail, as our game time came closer, parents, usually of the opposing team's players, would start filling in the gym, and it always seemed they felt compelled to sit right by me. I never did figure out why this happened and wondered if this is still happening today. It is indeed still happening today. It happens to me all the time. And I've, in fact, been given grief for bringing a book into the game since I never get a chance to read it. Our last letter comes in from our resident educator, Lauren. Lauren writes, hey guys, I've recently started producing a podcast that my students are doing as part of the Aspen Challenge. Super proud of them and thanks to Denny with one N for all of his help. We didn't know Denny was moonlighting by helping others create podcasts. Good for you, Denny. Thank you. I've been communicating with Denny via DM on Twitter and he has been a wealth of knowledge. He is indeed a wealth of knowledge, as as we well know. Yes, we do know. Please listen to it. It revolves around making mental health less of a taboo word with our youth. They are doing great things. Well, it looks like it's called it? The Umbrella of No Judgment. It says anchor.fm slash The Umbrella of No Judgment. All right. We'll have to take a listen to The Umbrella of No Judgment because Lauren has been a, a loyal, loyal listener to the podcast Absolutely. since day one. Uh, and and we invite all of all of those who listen to our podcast under the umbrella of harsh judgment <laughs> to follow suit. Lauren's also a, a Louisville Cardinal fan, so I wonder how she feels about Louisville being the one seed in Albany, where UConn is the two seed. We have traditional Irish Scottish names for the majority of our kids. 
Callum, Lachlan, Daisy, they're all family names. What made you all stick to Irish names, referring to our kids? Right. Our two older ones have, have um, kind of traditional Irish names, and because nobody could spell or pronounce them, our two younger ones have a three and four letter very common names. Yes. Um, we learned our lesson. We learned our lesson, but but we're, we don't, we're very happy. Our kids are very happy with their names, and, and uh, we're very happy with those names. Yeah, they're not like from the character from the boy named Sue. No. And in fact, um, my mother was a Boyle. I think I may have mentioned this before, B-O-Y-L-E, and uh, very Irish from um, County Cork in Ireland. And so really, and she passed away in 1991. So really they're uh, in tribute to her, I think, more than anything else. Yes. Can you confirm, Rebecca? Uh, Yes, I confirm. And if I'm not mistaken, Lauren, our letter writer, has a picture of you on her hall pass when she hands out her hall pass in school. She did at one point, yes. She still does because... She says, congrats on the retired number, Rebecca. I'm surprised it took that long. I had a student and female basketball player ask, who was the girl on my hall pass? I was like, you don't know who Rebecca Lobo is? Girl, go stand in the corner and think about what you just said. (laughs) Oh, that's perfect. So I think you should use that phrase on me, especially if I use the the word obviously again in a sentence. Yes, and and if they allow her to, I think that should be her team name in in the the bracketology that we're doing. Again, I will tweet out that link. I'll tweet out that that will be tweeted out even before the podcast comes out so people can join our team. But that should be our Lauren's name on on that challenge should either be resident educator or girl go stand in the corner. What's the rest of it? And think about what you just said. Think about what you just Uh, said. I think Lauren had retracted the umbrella of no judgment at that point on that day in that classroom. (laughs) Well, I think it's time. It's time for you to fill out your men's bracket. It's time for you to go into the studio. I'm back to work. I'll be back to work. And uh, it's always time. Tom, Dick, and Harry, play us out. Saying says no pain, no gain, and we found that to be fact. The road might twist and turn a bit, but we all arrive intact. Mr. Mom and Mrs. Dad having each other's back. Day by day, just to keep it sane. Who's the ball and who's the chain? It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane. Six of us and the family pet live in the cuckoo nest. Daily grind puts sanity to a daily test. Androgynous and vigorous, what we give for a little rest. Stay by day just to keep it sane. Who's the ball and who's the chain? It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane. It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane. Hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane.